Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. I don't know if you'd like to start off with a joke. I think I will. The, uh, some of you may have heard this. But there was, uh, y'all hear about the two politicians that went into the donut shop? Anybody hear that? There was these two politicians that went into the donut shop, and one guy, when they were running for office against one another, and one of them went in there, and he says, what's this? Walked over, and he stole three donuts from the bakery there, and nobody knew it. Stuck them in his pockets. He said, that's why I win this election, and you won't. He says, well, he said, watch this. So he walks up to the baker and he says, uh, how about if you give me a donut or maybe give me three donuts to eat and I'll show you a trick that it'd be worth it. And he says, okay. So uh, he got those three donuts. He ate them. He says, well, what's the trick? He says, come on with me. I'm going to make them appear in this man's pocket. Welcome to the political world, right? Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. I, good morning. Glad to see everybody here. Those online, welcome uh, this morning. And Mike Kendrick is on his way to Oklahoma. He's driving out there. And uh, he asked me yesterday, he called me, he says, Pastor, he said, do you think you could preach for maybe eight hours so I'll have something to listen to on the way out there? And I said, I can assure you that will not happen. And everybody said, amen. Glory to God. So, Mike, you can just listen to it eight times. How about that? And so, glory to God. Well, you know, a few weeks ago, it was the first of the year. Here it is now. It's February the 6th. And a few weeks ago, I made mention about uh, the fact that what does God want to do this year in 2022? And how can we be a part of it? How can we be walking with God? And that's really the series that I'm doing right now with the other two and the today and, to, and next week, is walking with God in 2022. And uh, that's the series title of it. Today's title, I'll have to look over and find out where I've said. Uh, maybe we'll get, okay. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, anyway, uh, the last one was uh, dealing with the first of the year about Habakkuk. And we were looking at Habakkuk's life. And uh, some of the things that he brought forth is small books, only three chapters long. But one of the things that we saw that was Habakkuk was questioning God about the state of his nation. And he said, how long am I going to cry out? Nothing's done. I mean, we've got things taking place here, just wickedness throughout our whole country. See, it wasn't another country that had come down on him. It was the wickedness within themselves, things that were taking place, the the widows being taken advantage of, the elderly being taken advantage of, the poor being taken advantage of, and everybody was fighting and, and idolatry and everything else was going on. And Habakkuk was asking God, how long will I cry out? I know you hear me, but it seems like you're not answering. And I think that's a lot of things, a lot of times that's where the people of today in our country, the church of today, is maybe asking themselves, hey, is God, where are you? And God replied to him, he says, I'm going to do a work. He said, I'm going to work a work in your day. 
that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Now, that's the kind of work I want to know about God. I want to believe what you're saying. I want to know what is it you're doing because I want to be a believer. You know, it's a, it, it was hard enough for him to believe it even though God was going to tell him. How many of you know things hadn't changed? God still tells us what he's going to do if we'll take the time to listen and inquire. And he told him about the Chaldeans that were going to come down upon the people and how he was going to use the Chaldeans and how their horses were faster than leopards and strong and, and all kind of things and how they were going to come down upon the children of Israel and take them captive. And Habakkuk stood there and he says, God, how could you do this? You're the God of everlasting. You're our covenant God. We have a covenant with you. How could you let this happen? Although he knew it was going to, that God was going to do what he said, he didn't understand. How are you going to take people that are worse than we are and fix us? Fix this mess that we've got ourselves into. So he decided in chapter 2, he said, I'm going to go up here and I'm going to stand on my watch and I'm going to wait to see what it is the Lord's going to say in me. He said, I know God's going to answer me and I'm going to stay up here and I'm going to wait till I hear it. And that's something that we all need to learn to do is to wait upon the Lord till we get the answer. Don't give God a timetable of five minutes. But to stay and keep it before him to where we can hear what is he saying to me personally. You know, it's nice to know that Others saying, well, God told me this, God told me that. I want to know, God, what are you telling me? Amen? Because that's, that's as close to home as you can get. And so he was doing that, and he says, now I'm going to wait to see how I'm going to respond to what you tell me. He said, I know you're right, and I know you're going to show me and reveal to me, but I'm going to watch and see how am I going to respond. Am I going to have an attitude? Am I going to say, well, I just don't like that, God? Am I going to pout? Am I going to stick my bottom lip out what, what am I going to do how am I going to respond with the with what you say to me because I know you're righteous and one of the things there in chapter two a one one-liner that is brought out that the whole book which is those three chapters is based around is this one statement in in, in verse four it says and the just shall live by faith and then he goes back into again about the Chaldeans and and, and all kinds of things. And then chapter 3 is a song that Habakkuk wrote about the faithfulness of God. From, one, from the very beginning all the way through the 19th verse is about the faithfulness of God. And how God delivered the Israelites and out of Egypt. And how God caused the sun and the, and the moon to stand still for Joshua. And how God did this and God did that. On and on and on. The whole song was that way. And then at the very end, Habakkuk says this about what he's going to do. He says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herds in the stall. No matter how bad it gets, is what he's saying. Yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. And in doing so, the Lord God is my strength. And he'll make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon high places. Now that's faith. He said, I know my Lord. And even though things get rough and things are bad and all these things that's going to happen. I know this. That God is a covenant God. That he is an everlasting God. 
and I'm going to walk with him, and I'm going to talk with him, and he's going to cause me, because of my trust in him, to walk above all situations. Because I'm looking to him. I'm not going to look to the problems. I'm going to look to him. And he said, that's what I'm going to do. You see, Israel went through all kinds of ups and downs in history. And the more that we understand this, the more we can understand where we are today as a nation. But in about, I think it was uh, around 1100, the children of Israel, Samuel was stepping out, and the children of Israel said they wanted a king so they could be like everybody else. He says, okay, I'll give you a king. And so King Saul came in and started off. King Saul was, was pretty much of a humble man. But after 33 years of being king, guess what? He had an attitude. He didn't wait upon Samuel anymore. He was going to do what he wanted to do. And then he turned it around and he said these words to Samuel because he didn't wait on Samuel. He stepped into an office that wasn't his and, and violated things of, 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 the, of the word of God. And then he turned around and says, well, the people caused me to do it. The people did. The people made me do it. And that day, the Lord withdrew, basically, the kingdom from him, although he had the kingdom for another 19 years. 19 more years. Now, think about that. He messed up, and God said, and Samuel told him, said, today the, the kingdom is being taken from you. 19 years later, it actually was. In the meantime, God was preparing a fellow named David to step in, to take that place. And for 19 years, he prepared him for that time. David was a good king. Solomon wasn't, I mean, Saul was not a real evil king. He just got caught up in the lust of he wanted, the things that he wanted in, in, in jealousy and all kind of things like that. He got caught up in all that. Now, David, though, on the other hand, was a good king. He got in some stuff himself. But nevertheless, he was a good king. And he reigned for 40 years. And then his son came in, Solomon, who was a, started off, if you read there, you'd find that he was an awesome king. He says, you know, Lord, I need wisdom from you. God asked him, said, what it is that you would like to have? Just tell me and I'll give it to you. And he says, I need wisdom, Lord, so that I know how to guide and govern your people. And he says, because you asked for wisdom, he says, I'm going to give you everything else too. Long life, riches, and all kind of things, but I'm going to give you this wisdom and understanding as well. And so he did. But do you know something took place in Solomon's life? I think he ended up with like 300 wives and 300 concubines, and I do good to keep up with just one wife. But he had 300 of them, and do you think that he ever got persuaded in this direction, in that direction, with that many wives? Well, I can assure you he did. Because the scriptures talk about the fact that some of the women that he married was because of political reasons, so that this country would be in agreement with him. They'd be, it's like a covenant they made, and he, they took, he took, their wife, took one of the women for his wives and so forth. And it came to a point where he allowed idol worship taking place there in the nation of Israel. Can you imagine that? So there at the end, he began to do these things, and it affected 
the whole nation. So we had a good king. Then we had a real good king named David. Then we had Solomon, who started out great and ended up being persuaded by things, conversations, people he come in contact with, associations, into doing some things that he shouldn't have done, which is idolatry, and leading it there in his country. Next thing we know, we've got evil kings. We've got this one rising up, and he's doing this and doing that, and we've got another one, and then there's Ahab, and then there's Manassas, and it gets to a place where they're having human sacrifices, offering their children up to Moloch. All kind of things like that. But they'll be going up, and then they'll go down real bad, and then all of a sudden there'll be a King Josiah come up, and he'll turn the things, the hearts of the people back towards, you know, to Yahweh, and and they'll be tearing all the temples down and, and destroying the altars and, 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 and everything. And things are going good and then they go back down. And when every time there was a rise in a good king, guess what happened to the nation? They prospered. Things were good. They were at peace. And then an evil king would come in and it would go down the other way. As a matter of fact, even in Solomon's life, when Solomon stepped down, his son came in and they said, listen, how about be it the, older, the elders of the nation said, how about being a little kind to the people? And what did this young man do? He says, I'm going to make it worse on all of you. I'm not taking your advice. I'm going to make it harder on everybody. How many of you know that was pretty stupid? That's what he did. You see, it was an up and down thing all the time, roller coaster. And after about 500 years of this, in 626, that's when Habakkuk wrote, uh, the, the book there of Habakkuk he, where he got before God and said, God, things aren't going well in our country. Can you imagine that? Well, you've got idolatry everywhere, wickedness. You've got people uh, living unjust lives and coming against the, and stealing and looting. All kind of evil sins is taking place in just a short period of time. Of course, about five, six hundred years. So, after that takes place, we have another prophet that comes along that's alive during the same time frame. His name is Jeremiah. And the Lord wanted me to do it the way we did the first, Habakkuk, and then bring in this part. Because before I, I broke down and I explained how things that we're going through now as a country didn't just happen this week or last week or last year. It were things that took place 100 years ago, set into motion, is now manifesting in today's society. Our culture just didn't wake up today like it is. Okay? And we need to understand that. And we need to understand that there's, there's a price that has to be paid for such lawlessness in our country. And in our, house, in our homes, and in our marriages, and in the church. There's a price that's paid. There's consequences for it. Things are going to have to take place. And, and, and this is what's happened even in our country today. So we're dealing. How many of you know we, we hear about it all in the news all the time? We're $30 trillion in debt as a nation. And that this is going to be passed down to our what? To our children and our grandchildren. Same thing. Somebody's got to pay the deal. Right? And so here we are. If you would, why don't you go ahead and... Uh, Turn, well, turn to the book of Jeremiah. I'll tell you where we're in just a few minutes. But I want to give you just a little history about Jeremiah. He was, uh, came from a small town about three to seven miles from outside of Jerusalem. 
His father was a priest. And his contemporaries were, of course, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Ezekiel, and, and perhaps Obadiah. But Jeremiah, he was a priest in the line of uh, Abiathar, and he was called into the ministry before he was born. Can you imagine that? In other words, he had a purpose before he had a name. I believe Peter made mention of that last week about John the Baptist and how it says in John 1, 6, he said, there was a man sent from God. If he was sent from God, he had to have a purpose, did he not? And he wasn't, didn't even have a name yet. Well, the same thing is true pertaining to Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 1, 5, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And we need to understand that God knew us before we were born. Huh? God has always known you. I made mention of this to Peter this morning that, that although we're living in the present, we have to think eternally. Are you hearing me? Because we're eternal beings. And we have to deal with things in the present day all the time. But we need to do so from a position of eternity. We make decisions based on the eternal word of God. We don't make them based upon what's happening at this time. And when we do, guess what? We're sure to foul up. We're going to go through some things that we didn't need to go through. We're going to be dealing with, with issues that we didn't have any business dealing with. Why? Because we didn't think from a position of eternity from God. We thought based upon what's going on in our society today. Or what was said on TV. So in Jeremiah's day, just like Habakkuk, he was ministering in chaotic times. So called from the youth, he was having to minister in a time of political upheaval, economic mess, all kind of social issues. And then not only that, but there was uh, a moral uh, standard of living that was taking place at that time that was just unbelievable. They, they just were all in adultery, doing all kind of things. The unrighteous behavior seemed to be uncontrolled, out of control, just uncontrollable. Things were taking place. People not only defied God, but they denied God and they even cursed God. These are the children of Israel I'm talking about. Of the nation of Israel, they did that. People did what they wanted, and they did what, when they wanted to do it. In other words, it was just lawlessness everywhere. Immorality, lawlessness, violence, and injustice, it flooded their society. They ignored God's commandments, and they refused to listen to God's prophets. They just ignored what God said. We're not going to do it. We're going to do what we wanted to do. They may have been passive and just sat there in church, in the synagogue, just heard it. Then they went right out and did what they wanted to. No major outburst uh, of us kill the prophet, but I'm just not going to listen to him. I'm going to do what I want. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. How many know that attitude has crept in our whole country? These sins of the people were denounced by Jeremiah for 41 years. 41 years he ministered to them. 40 years, you know, while they were actually living there, he told them time and time again, y'all got to stop this. Y'all got to repent. These judgments are going to come down upon our country and us as a nation. But if we will repent, 
truly repent, God will turn it around. He was sharing with them the gospel, but they didn't listen to him. Didn't listen to him at all. So here it is, we have Habakkuk saying in 626 B.C. that God is going to allow the Chaldeans to come down upon the nation of Israel because of their sins, because of their living, because of the way they're doing. And God's going to use the Chaldeans to bring about in Israel's life repentance. Things are going to get tough. Well, they didn't believe it. They blew him off. They just laughed at Habakkuk. And that's what people do when it's always down the road. You know, we'll deal with it later. Well, guess what? In Jeremiah, in chapter 29, why don't you go ahead and turn to chapter 29. This took place, he wrote this in 599 B.C. 26 years later, guess what? Jeremiah is saying, what the Lord said to Habakkuk has now come to pass. That's what he's saying. Now, there's a particular verse here that I want you to get a hold of because in the days that we live in, we need to know our God. Are you hearing me? I said in the day that we're living in, we need to know our God. And God is not angry at us. He loves us. Okay? Now, they may be going through something, but he, they're going through it, and he's saying, I love you. We may be going through things as a nation, individually, families, whatever, but you know what? God addresses it from a standpoint of love because he is love. And this is what he had to say in the midst of being uh, of a nation, his people, his chosen people being taken in, in captivity by the Babylonians and taken from their home. They robbed the temple. They cut up the vessels of the temple. They took it all. All the, the, the king, the, the queen mother, the, the, the smiths, all those craftsmen and everything. They took all of those people away and left the people that they didn't think was important. Just left them. And Jeremiah just happened to be one of them. He said, oh, you can't be, you're not going to be used to us. We're going to take these people and go. And we see that. So here they are in captivity. And this is what God says to them. 29.11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think to, toward you. Thoughts of a father. How many of you know a good father thinks about his family? A good father has always got them in, the, in his mind. And the Lord does the same with all of us today. He is our good father. And he knows what he has for you tomorrow. He knows what he has for you next year. And the year after that, he knows what he has for your children and your children's children. He has thoughts and plans for every single one of them. And he says here, I know the thoughts that I have for you. Have you considered the thoughts that the father has of you? Or are you considering the thoughts that the world says about you? Have you considered the thoughts that God, eternal God, thinks about your present situation? Or are you giving your attention to the temporary things that the people of this world says about you in your present situation? What are you listening to? It may surprise you that although he knows all the things 
that you've done wrong, every time you've missed it. He even knows the things that you are going to mess up on that you didn't even know you were going to do yet. And in the midst of all of it, he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. And they're good. Thoughts of peace. Not of evil. Thoughts that are good to bring you to an expected end. He said, I've got good things for you. Those are the thoughts that God has towards us. These are the thoughts he had towards a nation that was in captivity. They thought, well, God's mad at us. God this and God's going to blame God for all the things that they did. They brought this on themselves. Now, they didn't want to be there. They kept denying. They lived in a life of denial. Well, we're not going to stay here long. Now, God's already told them they're going to be there 70 years. 70 years. You think that's what they're listening to? No. Now, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why 70 years? And you know what he said? Because I don't. He did. I didn't hear anything. I'm like, why not 400 years like the children of Israel when they were in Egypt? Why 70 years? Why not two years? Because what I was getting at with the Lord is, Lord, how long is our country going to be in the mess it's in? He didn't answer. He didn't answer why the 70 years. He didn't answer why 400 years. He didn't answer why, why Joseph was 40 years down, or, or more than that, he was 33, I believe he was, when he ended up going to to become Pharaoh, uh, under Pharaoh in, in Egypt. And he stayed there and lived to 110. So why? He was there 80 years in captivity and never got to go back home. He didn't answer me. But what I wanted, want you to see today was that they were going to be there and they didn't want to be there. He told them 70 years. Nah, I, I don't want to listen to that. But he says, these are the thoughts I have towards you Although you're going to be here 70 years. He said, I have thoughts of you about peace. He said, I have thoughts of, towards you of peace, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, your health, your welfare. That's what my thoughts towards you in the midst of your captivity. Now think about this a little bit. You see, I said back at Christmas time when we went over the the Advent wreath about peace, the candle of peace. And I made a point and kept pushing it, and I run out of time. But the point was is that peace is not the absence of conflict. If that was true, then the Prince of Peace didn't have peace because everywhere he went, they wanted to kill Jesus. Paul never knew nothing about peace, although he addressed all of his epistles. Made, you know, he, he, he said, grace and peace be unto you. Well, apparently he didn't have any either. I mean, they beat him up, left him dead, shipwrecked, thrown him in prison. So peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is a person. Peace is the presence of Almighty God. In him there's what? Perfect peace, completeness. Good thing is, is we walk and we can live every moment of the day in God's presence. We are there already, okay? He's there. But we get sidetracked. And, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but that 
what we do is we, we get distracted and forget eternity, the presence of God, and substitute it for something that we're going through here on planet Earth. And then we pay a price for it. So here, we see that he says, I, want, I have thoughts of peace towards you. In other words, of you being complete, of you being whole, you being healthy, you being prosperous, your deliverance, I have, and safety while you're there. He said, those are my thoughts towards you, because that's what peace is. So the Father is saying that I know the thoughts that I have for you, and it's the thoughts of you being my son, being with my son Jesus. Hmm. My son Jesus makes you complete, lacking nothing. The thoughts that I have towards you didn't start in 599 B.C. when this was written. He's saying, I didn't just start thinking these thoughts about you. I've been thinking this about you throughout eternity. And not only that, but the thoughts that, of, that I have towards you is to bring you somewhere to an expected end. I'm not just thinking happy thoughts. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have an expected end to bring you to. And that is that of being my sons and my daughters. That's the expected end. Throughout eternity, ruling and reigning with me. How many of you know that that's still the Father's thoughts even today? The thoughts that he has for us today are the same thoughts he had for them. Thoughts of peace in the midst of a crisis. Thoughts of prospering you in a land that doesn't want you to prosper. A land that you're in captivity to. We may call our nation the land of the free. But how many know that nothing here is free? Go to the store, you'll see. Now, it costs something. It costs people. And so he says here, I know the thoughts that I have to you. Thoughts of peace. And what? And not of evil. And although in that, those days, evil was rampant through the entire nation, although evil was before them, evil was beside them, evil was behind them, and evil was even in their thought life, but evil was never and never has been in the Father's thoughts towards his people. Evil was everywhere. Evil's all around you. But not one time has God, the thought of evil been in God's heart towards you. This is our father. This is who we're talking about. So in the midst of whatever you're going through, let's get some things straight. That God's thoughts towards you is that of peace and not of evil. To bring you to an expected end, which is good. Amen? Now go back to verse 4. Now, I'll, I'll start off in verse 1 to you because I want you to see this. It says, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue or the remainder of the elders which were carried away captive and to the priest and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar hath carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. He said, I'm writing this letter to everybody that left. Not just going to the, to the king. I'm not just sending this letter to, to the princes I'm not just sending it to the smiths. I'm not just sending it over there to the, the prophets. 
I'm not just sending it to the priest. I'm sending it to every single person that left because every single person that left out of Jerusalem and went over there that's now in captivity needs to hear that the thoughts that I have towards them, they are that of peace, not of evil, to bring you an expected end. He said, I don't want one person not to know this. That's pretty powerful. And the same thing is true today. God doesn't want anybody, no matter what your job is or, or how poor you are or how rich you are, what your education is or the lack of education, he wants everybody to know his thoughts that he has towards you in the midst of your situation right now. In verse 4, he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, some people may have a problem with that. I imagine the people back in those days had a problem with that. And the reason being is because of what they did in the midst of all of this. It says, God is saying, I caused you to be carried away. I did it. I caused you to, to be moved. Now, the people of that day, and you'll see it in a few minutes, they didn't want to hear that. They wanted to blame the Babylonians. They wanted to blame somebody else. They didn't want to understand or think that God did this or allowed this to happen. God allowed this to happen? Yeah, he did. He even told Habakkuk 26 years earlier that this was going to happen. Why? Because he wanted them to know. He gave them an opportunity to get things right. Knowing that they weren't. But nevertheless, this is what happened. So, let me ask you a question. Does the Bible say, in Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man were ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way? Sure it does. Does the Bible say, in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all of thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Did it say that? Do you suppose there was anybody in that time frame that was really trusting in the Lord with all of their heart? I believe there was. I believe there were some righteous people that was trusting God with all of their heart, and they weren't leaning to, to their own understanding. They didn't know what was going on, but they're going to trust God anyway. He said, and in all thy ways acknowledge him, and they were acknowledging God. God, I don't understand, but I'm going to do what you said. He said, I'll direct your path. So tell me this. How did they get there? Did he direct them there? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you trust the Lord with all of your heart? Are you leaning on your own understanding? Or are you trusting him? I'm trusting him, Lord. Okay. Are you acknowledging him in all your ways? Oh, yes, sir then he's directed your path. So that brings us to a conclusion of this, that either we are today where we are based on the fact that God directed us to this place and time in history, or we got here on our own. Huh? So whatever you're going through at your job or any other place, 
in your marriage, either you got there because of you or you're there because God's directed you to that place. And if it was because of you, there's this word called repentance that'll help you get out of that. Won't change the situation, but it'll sure help you go through the situation and come out on a better end of it. So either God does not tell the truth and he doesn't guide us to certain places and we just get there on our own or he brings us to certain places so he can reveal himself through you in the midst of a bad place. We all like that scripture, don't we? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. As long as the paths are paths of righteousness and prosperity and health. We don't want to go any, into captivity though. Right? Don't want that part. We don't want rough times. Everywhere Jesus walked was rough times. Everywhere Paul walked was rough times. But there's a difference. Just because you're going through a rough time does not make you or, or count you out. It, 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 you, you're just an overcomer. Look what more you overcame. Anybody can go through it when it's perfect. But his grace was sufficient to even and with all the obstacles and the opposition, you still propel way past it. I'm running out of time. I ain't even got started. Skip a bunch. All right. He says there in verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what he said to them. This is very, very important. Turn to the one next to you and say, this is important. You need to listen. Wake up that other one that went to sleep next to you. Just go and tell them. Say, this is important. Verse 5. It says, Build ye houses and dwell in them. Are you getting it? These people are captives. They're prisoners in a foreign land. And God says, build you houses and live in them. Plant you gardens and eat the fruit of them. I like that. He said, right where you are, in the midst of the mess that you're in, being a prisoner in a foreign land, I want you to build houses and live in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat the fruit thereof. Oh. Then he goes on and he says this. Take you wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and, and give your daughters to husbands. That they may bear sons and daughters. Sounds like to me God was saying you're going to be there a while like 70 years. You got to think a little bit longer than this week and this month. Take a wife. Have a family. Let your, give your children to, a, to somebody. Let them get married. Why? So they can have children. And then he says, why? He says here, that you may be increased there and not diminished. That you can be increased there in the land of captivity and not diminished. I want you to build houses and live in them. I want you to plant gardens and eat the fruit of it. I want you to go ahead and take wives. 
have children. Give your children to, to, to your sons-in-laws and daughter-in-laws so that you can increase as a nation and not diminish. These are the thoughts that God has towards his people. I want you to build houses. You're not going broke. Build houses. Live in them. Plant gardens. I know you're in a foreign land, but I'll make vegetables grow out of a desert. Why? Because I love you. We can't have a garden over here. We don't own the property. We're just prisoners. Really? Really? Hmm. It's not what my Bible teaches. You see, my Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Land didn't belong to Babylon. Belong to God. Who says that you can't prosper in another country? even though you're a prisoner there. Have we lost our ever-loving mind? We stand back and we teach and we preach and hear the blessings of the Lord are upon you. So that means that the oppressor of the people that were taken as captives is stronger than the blessing of the God that's on us. Is that what we're saying? Does it really matter where you live if the blessing is on you the blessing is there have we forgotten galatians 3 29 when it talks about that we have the same that the blessings are upon us and the promises of abraham on our life was was abraham did he stay right there in one spot or wherever abraham went was blessed was it not? He goes down to Egypt. Egypt's blessed. He comes out of Egypt. He's blessed. He goes into the wilderness. He's blessed. Everywhere he goes, he's blessed. And everybody that was with him was blessed. Look at Lot's life. Isaac got a famine in his life. What happened to him? Well, the blessing was transferred down to Isaac from Abraham. Isaac walks into down there in Gera in the midst of a famine. And increases a hundred. So seed in a time of famine increases a hundredfold. Why? He was in a foreign land. But even in his land. Yet he increased. Why? Because the blessing was on his life. Jacob leaves his homeland with Isaac and Esau. And, 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 and uh, his, his mom. And goes to a foreign land. To Laban's house. An idol worshiper. And because he's there. Laban, his whole house is blessed. He said to him, he says, when I got here, what you had was little and feeble and sickly. And now it's increased to a great multitude. Not because you're smart, Laban. Not because you've done anything right. It's because of my God and the blessing on my life. You got that same blessing on your life. Joseph, his son. Sold into slavery. Ended up in prison. Exalted from the midst of prison to being right underneath Pharaoh. Nobody did anything in Egypt except Joseph said they could. 
That's the power of the blessing of God. And it don't matter if you're in Egypt, Gira, Saudi Arabia, or Millbrook, Alabama. The blessing of God is on your life. And wherever you are employed, I don't care who the guy is that owns the company, but wherever you're employed, it ought to be a blessed place because you are there. Not because of what they can do for you, but by what the blessing is on your life. And if you'll get this down in your heart, and you begin to meditate and think on these things, you will be blessed. But if you go to that job and try to see how can you enrich yourself in being there, you will not be blessed and they will not be blessed. But if you go there with a heart that I have the blessing on my life, and when I get there, that blessing is going to manifest there at that job, and it's going to be tremendously blessed because of the blessing on my life, then you'll be blessed and so will they. And God's glory will be revealed. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I have done it in my life. I'm not talking about some pop-off thing that maybe I've read somewhere. I've lived this my life. I don't limit my living based on your giving. I'm not looking to you to meet my needs. I refuse to limit myself by what you can do. Because eventually I'll get mad at you because you ain't given enough. God's the one that brought me here. He's the one that blesses me. I look to him. And you don't look at your employer to be your boss because he's not. God is. He said he'd meet your needs, not your boss. You take the blessing to your house. Cause that place to be blessed. Watch what God does. A little sidetrack. Say the blessing is on my life. You need to get that down inside of you. And when somebody says something to you or the, the newscasters or whatever takes place, you need to say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, the blessing is on my life. The blessing is on my life. Mm. Throw the graphic up there, will you? There's lots of people that lie to you. Is it up there? There it is. I need for it to be back here too. These are the prophets of today. CNN, CBS, MSNBC. What's that other one? The Washington Post. On it. All of, those are the prophets of today. They're false prophets, but nevertheless they're prophets. They're speaking into people's lives. People are taking a hook, line, and sinker. Then we got an economy going under, and you're going to go under with it. We have an epidemic. Sickness is coming. You're going to die from it. Russia's going to invade Ukraine, pull us into a war. We're all going to die. We're all going under. I have the blessing on my life. I ain't living my life based on these false prophets. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And if it belongs to God, then I know one thing. It's going to work. It's going to be blessed. Why? It's his. Verse 5 of that same chapter says, He shall receive the blessing of the Lord, or from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Who? The man that keeps his heart clean. One that stands before God. Don't lift his soul up to, to idols. 
You see, it doesn't matter whether you're in a foreign land because God still owns the land. God still owns the hills that have a thousand cattle on it. He owns all the gold, all the silver. He owns it all. You know, Russia doesn't have any money. God owns all that. The United States doesn't have any money. God owns all of it. But where you are and where you position yourself is everything. I want you to know that God wants us to do this next verse here. And this is where I see the church having a lot of problems. Verse 7, Jeremiah 29, 7. It says here, and seek the peace of the city, whether I've caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. I'll say that again. It says, and seek the peace of the city, or seek the peace of the city, whether I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray for, pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall you have peace. It says, and seek. It's darosh in the Hebrew. And it says, pursue, to search. In other words, it's going to take some effort. It, nowhere does it say, lay back and wait on it to come to you. Lord didn't say, wait, it'll come and find you. It said, pursue it, seek it. And it's no different today than it was in the days of Jeremiah. If you seek peace, you'll find peace. you search for it you'll find it and when you find peace guess what you're going to have to hold on to it and pursue it because there's many distractions that will try to take that peace from you it says seek the peace seek the prosperity the health the well-being the wholeness the completeness of the city that you're in city is just a place it's just a place. Seek the peace of that city. It could have been seek the peace of a wilderness. Seek the peace of the desert. Did they not have to seek the peace of God in the midst of the wilderness for 40 years? Sure they did. Nothing's changed, folks. We have to seek the peace on behalf of that city. Where I caused you to leave. I, I'm the one that caused you to be where you are. In other words, the king of Babylon couldn't have come and got you. Unless I gave them lead way to do so. Don't you remember? Pharaoh tried to go get the Israelites when they left. But he couldn't do it. Why? Because God said, no, it's not going to happen. So where you are today... We have to really understand that we got here because God has led us to this place in history and time where we're living right here. Or we got here by ourselves. And if we got in this mess by ourselves, we're in trouble. But if we just so happen to be where we are, then we also have to understand that the God that got us to this place has equipped us also to build houses that we can live in. 
and plant gardens that we can eat from and have wives and have children and have grandchildren and increase and not diminish and live in peace and live in peace live in wholeness healthy wealthy prosperous in the midst of a captivity Y'all remember back when 2008 when we were dealing with all the stuff and I said, guys, if we're going to go through this desert, I'm coming out into a promised land. And I said, how many of y'all go along with that? And everybody raised their hands and people in this house got new jobs, got promotions, built houses, bought houses, got new cars. Nobody did without. They did everywhere else, but not here. We decided not to participate. Then if we were going to go through this, we were going to come out into a promised land. Folks, if we're going to go through this, let's at least get a Hershey bar. Okay? Can we at least get a Hershey bar? A big block one. Give me a pounder. Because I ain't living here and staying here. I'm going through a pandemic, an economic mess, political upheaval. I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to stay in peace. Because I understand something about this peace. And we're going to get there next week. We've got to come to a place in our life that we trust our God like Isaac trusted his father Abraham. We have to come to a place in our lives that we trust our God who gave his only begotten son, Jesus, for us. We've got to trust him to at least the point that Isaac trusted Abraham. Isaac trusted his daddy to the point of, okay, dad, I've got the wood I'm carrying on my back. And you got the fire, but where's the offering? And he said, God will provide a lamb himself. And he goes up there and he has to sit down and explain to his son, who was in his 20s. Wasn't no young whippersnapper. Wasn't no little three-year-old kid. Grown man. Abraham's about 120-something years old. I believe the young man could have took Abraham in a fist fight. But he told him, says, son, God has required me to bring you up here and to offer you up as an offering unto him. I'm to bind you. I'm to cut your throat. I'm to drain your blood and set you on fire. And God said that he's going to raise you back from the dead. Do you trust me? And Isaac said, yes, I do. Isaac was no dummy. He watched the walk of his father with Abraham. And he knew if anybody knew God, my daddy knew God. And he trusted his daddy. He trusted in the God of Abraham. That if God had given him a vision and, show, and showed him that he was going to raise him back up. Because it says, in thy seed, Abraham. In Isaac, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He has to come back to life. How 
How can this man, Isaac, trust his dad to that degree, yet we can't trust our heavenly father because of a pandemic or an economic mess? We've got to get past that. I'm going to put a little pencil mark here so we can start back here next week since I'm on page four of nine and ain't got the next week's message yet. Y'all getting anything? Because I'm going to tell you something. This world will take you captive. and You can be in a blessed land. It can still take you captive. There's many hurting people out there. And we still have the same devil, don't we? Huh? Has the devil changed any? I mean, Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Jesus said that your, your daddy, the devil, is the father of all lies, so apparently the devil is a liar, is he not? Do you think he's changed? Do you think he's turned over a new leaf and decided to tell the truth now? No, he still lies today, and he's lying to you. And he uses all them false prophets to do it. He's still out to steal. He's still out to kill. He's still out to destroy. But our God, our Jesus, his thoughts towards us is still the same. I've come to give you life. And not only life, the God kind of life. Life more abundantly. Overcoming life. I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. That's our God. What are we doing, folks? Has God changed? Has he lost his power? Or have we just got sidetracked with a different, some kind of new deception? You see, a few years ago, it didn't make any difference what we were faced. Our God will see us through, but he's not as big as coronavirus. Where did we get off on that? Oh, we can prosper as long as Trump's in office. But Biden, oh, I'm going to tell you, it's all going under. What, what, what's, the, what's that thinking? We, of course, with Trump, we was all going under too, right? Because it was Russia, Russia, Russia. In other words, you've got two political parties that are telling you what you can believe, what God can do, and what he can't do. Huh? Well, my Bible's going to tell me what, because this is God's word, he's going to tell me what he will do, and he's going to do. And we're going to get into that next week, because see, we're living in a day where anxiety is everywhere. And it's knocking constantly at your door. And I want you to see what happens when it, we don't deal with it. Because see, we're just now getting to the part here. It says, and live in peace. And seek the peace of the city, which I've caused you to be carried away captives. Pray for it. For in the peace of that city, thereof shall you have peace. Do you realize that people don't want to pray for peace in our nation? Some people like the upheaval right now because that means their party might get reelected next year. Think about it. 
They didn't want Trump to be successful. He might get reelected. We don't want Biden to be successful. He might get reelected. What we want is our agenda. Not God's, ours. Well, where did that attitude come in? Maybe we'll need to get there next week. Live in peace. We're going to pick up there next week about what it's going to take to live in peace. You don't want to miss next week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to do. Stand before your people to share your word. To share your thoughts. Your thoughts of peace. Your thoughts of wellness. Your thoughts of wholeness. Your thoughts of completion. Your thoughts of of prosperity and health to your people. To reveal to them that you're a God that doesn't change. You're not going to change because of the culture of this world. You're not going to change because of the seasons and the climate. For you're always perfect. And Lord, shake us up, rattle us, make us understand. Bring us to that place where we can trust you like Isaac trusted Abraham. Let us get our attention focused back on you and what you said and not these false prophets of today. Now, Lord, because you have blessed these people, I stand with you and agree that the blessings are upon their life. And goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. Blessed they were coming in. Blessed they are going out. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.